Hey, this is John Huseman. I'm the pastor of the Ark Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it draws you closer to God. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, good morning. We are so excited you have joined us today. Actually, one year ago, Palm Sunday was our very first Sunday ever in this building, and God has been doing amazing things. So we're just thrilled that we can be together. Let me give a couple online shout outs. Shane and Salina, thank you for joining us today. Shane watches all the time. Molly, we see you. Thank you for joining us today. We even got people from Chicago, Pittsburgh. Yes, they're related to us, but we are so thrilled you are here. So welcome, church. Let's welcome those watching online. Thank you for joining us. You know, some pretty exciting news. Um, How many of you ever watched our online services? Raise your hand. Okay, so several of you have watched online. Um, How many of you how many of you Facebook stalked us before you came in? The, no, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. Um, people are like, that's me too. Yeah, right here. Um, since we started doing online services, which isn't something that we ever really dreamed of, um, we've had over 4,000 unique Facebook viewers watch our service. So thank you for sharing this service. Thank you for watching online. Help us reach as many people by doing that. And actually, just in 2022, In our services, we have seen 158 people raise their hand and say, I'm dedicating my life to Jesus. I'm giving my life to him. So we can celebrate a lot of great things happening here at the Ark. Um, You know, even in unique and challenging times, even when you have to go to online service, even when you're, you're not quite feeling safe and secure, like God continues to move. God continues to advance the kingdom. God continues to do exceedingly more than what we would ask or think or imagine. And so um, just be thankful what you do for a living isn't online for everyone to see each and every week. And you, somebody doesn't pause it and your face is like, you know, and, and then they're like, what is he doing? Yeah, so um, just be thankful that you don't necessarily have to be online. But, you know, sometimes God's moving when I least see it, when I least feel it, when I least understand it, when I don't see it, when I don't feel it, it's like, that's when God's moving. That's when God is moving the most. That's when God is doing more than what I really understand is when I feel it the least. And, and how would I ever know he is my savior if I never needed saving? How would I know he's my provider if I could just take care of everything myself? How would I ever know that, that God is my helper if I never needed any help? So it's like even in challenging times, even in unique times, God continues to reveal himself, show himself, new facets, new things. And so today I just believe like there's help from above. I don't know what you need. I don't know what battle you might be facing today. I know each of us are in different battles. But today I want you to know and understand and believe there is help from above for whatever you are going through. This is what it says in Isaiah 46.4. It says, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. John, why are you hating on my gray hair? I'm not. I'm not hating. I'm not hating on the gray hair. But God says, for the rest of your life, there's a plan and purpose for you. You're not done just because you have gray hair. You're not done just because you're a little bit wiser. See what I did there? Um, you're You're not done Just because you, right? It's like God says, even to your old age and gray hairs, I will sustain you. I will carry you. I will rescue you. I have a purpose for you. I have life for you. So he's like, hey, 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 
I got something for you. Stay in there. Stay in there. There's help from above. There's help to get through this battle. There is help and there is purpose for you today. So I'm loving on my gray hair. Here we go, baby. I still, I still got a plan. I still have purpose. So today, if you, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the book of Matthew. We're going to take a little trip. We're going back to a little town of Bethany. This is the Palm Sunday story. So we're going to go back to this, this little bitty town called Bethany. And it's interesting because something is happening in this town that doesn't happen in a lot of other towns. There's this guy that lives there named Lazarus. And so Lazarus actually died. He was dead for like four days, had the funeral. Everyone knew about it. Then Jesus comes back, prays for him. He's risen from the dead. Day five, he's mowing the lawn. So people are like, wait, what? I wanted to buy that house. That house is, I thought he was dead. I wanted that house, right? So, so he's risen. He's alive. He's mowing the lawn. Now there's this thing that people are like, Jesus could be the Messiah. Jesus could be the answer. This dude that we've been reading about in the Old Testament, the, the Messiah that will come, that, that he will overthrow the government, that he will be the king above all kings, that, that he will be the chosen one. Like, it could be Jesus. It could be him. So there's this excitement. There's this stirring that is happening all throughout the city. Now there's all these people. There's thousands of people that now they're imagining what the Messiah will do. So that the whole city is kind of in this unique place. So we're going to jump into the story in verse 6. It says, The disciples went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. That's always a good response. I'll do exactly what you tell me to do. They led the donkey and the colt out. They laid some of their clothes on them. And Jesus mounted. Nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down on the road, giving him a royal welcome. Others cut branches from the trees and threw them down as a welcome mat. Crowds went ahead and crowds followed, all of them calling out, Hosanna to David's son. Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Hosanna in the highest. So if, you, if you've grown up in church, maybe you've heard this story. Like I remember when the church that I grew up in, on Palm Sunday, a lot of times, they would have the little children come in, and they would, they would grab palm branches. This palm had a rough year. Okay, this is a, a wee little man. Okay, so this, this, this is a... T You're like, that's what they had? No, I think they had bigger ones. But okay, so kids would come, and they'd walk down. They'd be like, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I, I always thought it was really funny because a couple of little guys, they, they would like miss the turn to come up front and they'd be like, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they would like walk the wrong way. Or you get like a really ornery little fella and he'd be walking down the aisle and he'd be like, Hosanna, Psh, whack the lady in the head. Hosanna, Psh, whack that dude in the head. Hosanna. Psh. And then the mom would like come up and be like, oh, you know, you're in church. Quit. And he'd be like, Hosanna, Psh, you know, so... You could tell I was like super spiritual as a, as, a young, as a young person. But Hosanna, I always wondered, like, what does it mean? What does the word Hosanna mean? Why are these people shouting Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna? Like, well, here's what it means. It means hooray for salvation. Hooray for salvation. Salvation's coming. It's coming. Salvation is coming. You know why we do praise music? Because Praise lifts the garment of heaviness. Sometimes you, you don't need worship. You need praise. I need 
loud music. I need to praise God. I need to get my head up. I need to start clapping. I need to start shouting. So Hosanna means hooray for salvation. But we need salvation for all kinds of things in our life. Salvation isn't just limited to, to one little area. Like, man, I need, I need salvation for all kinds of stuff. I need salvation from my pride. I need salvation from my insecurity. I need salvation from, from anger. I need to get saved from a religious spirit. I need to get saved from these addictions that have been in my family for generation and generation. And gener like, I need salvation. Salvation isn't just a one-time decision of, of asking Jesus in your heart. No, no. They're saying, salvation, hooray. We're going to be free. We don't have to be slaves. We don't have to pay all, these, all this tax money to the Roman government anymore. It's like there is salvation financially. There is salvation physically. There is salvation. They're like, hooray. There is salvation. And they're looking at Jesus, and they're saying, he is our answer. And so here's what it says in verse 10. As he made his entrance into Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken, unnerved. People were asking, what is going on? Who is this? Like, I, I'm not sure this is biblically accurate, but I, I, I picture almost like a town, like in an old Western movie, okay? So um, don't send me an email of saying, no, that's not, I know, I know, I know, but I'm picturing there's this like one main road that's coming down and you got the, the uh, you know, all the stuff in the middle of the street and, and it's like Jesus is coming. And these people, they're putting down their palm branches, they're putting down their cloaks, they're shouting, they're cheering. And the, the town is like, what, what's happening? Th this feels strange. And the Romans are sitting there like, are, are they going to try to take us out? Is, is Jesus somehow going to go Bruce Lee on everybody and start becoming a ninja that takes out all, like, the, they're unnerved. They don't know. It's uncertain. It's, inst it's unstable. And so the whole town is kind of like eerily watching what is going to happen next. Like it wasn't that long ago. We all felt that. We know what that feels like. When COVID-19 hit, it's like, whoa, am I going to have a job? Am I not going to have a job? My kids aren't going to school. I'm not going to work. This virus seems to be the worst thing ever. Am I going to get sick? Am I going to die? Is it going to affect my kids? I can't, I can't have family gatherings. So you know what that's like. You know what that feels like when things are uncertain and you're unnerved and you're not sure what's happening and you're, you can feel unstable. Some of you, you might be in that place today. It's not because of a virus, but it's like you feel shaken could be something in a relationship, could be your marriage, could be your kids, it could be your job. But you're living in this place where it's like, things don't feel good. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure how we're going to get through this. Like my world is kind of being shaken right now. And so in the middle of chaos, in the middle of things feeling very off, I want you to see what Jesus does. This is verse 12. It says, Jesus went straight to the temple. Like that's interesting. Jesus went straight to the temple. He went straight to church. He went straight to the house of God. People are screaming. People are shouting. Hosanna. He's the answer. Hosanna. He's going to reign. Hosanna. Salvation is finally here. It's him. He's coming. He's coming. 
Our day is coming. Our time is coming. Everything is going to change. Our whole world is going to change. It's him. And he goes straight to the temple. Like he's not heading to city hall. He's not headed to, 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 to the, the government building. He, he's not jumping on Facebook in the middle of instability. He's not going on a Netflix binge. He's not hiding away. He's not isolating himself. He, he actually is going to the temple. He's not going to the capital. He's not interested in overthrowing the government. But you got to understand, he is a king. He is a king. He has a kingdom that he wants to establish. There is no doubt about that. But the kingdom of God is so different than the kingdom of this world. He's going to establish a spiritual kingdom. He has an agenda to give you purpose, to give you love, to give you hope, to give you strength. He's not interested in being elected to an office. And he's not going to force his way into your life. He doesn't operate the way we would operate. Actually, in Revelation 3.20, it says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Do you know Jesus never forces you to do anything? He doesn't force you. He doesn't force me. He stands at the door and he just knocks. He's like, I have purpose. I have life. I have love. I have healing. I have peace. But I, I'm not forcing my way. I'm just knocking. I'm just knocking. I would love for you to let me in. I would love for you to let me lead your life. I would love for you to, to, to lay down your life and say, Jesus, would you? He, he's like, I would love it if you do that. Because I have life and life to the full, life better, life more abundant for you if you just will do But I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to make you do anything. He doesn't force his way into our life. He gives us the choice. So it's interesting when things are chaotic, the place, man, the place to go for purpose and hope and healing, Jesus goes to the temple. Like, this is what church should look like. Man, I hope our church looks like this. I would love our church to look like the greatest and most wonderful hospital in the world. That people come in, they receive encouragement, they receive hope, they receive healing. They leave better than, than how they came. That they feel support, they feel loved, they feel cared for. Like church is supposed to look like a great hospital, the best hospital. This was the intent. Have you ever gone to church before and you didn't feel welcome? You're like, yeah, about 20 minutes ago. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Have you ever gone to church and you feel like you're interrupting a club, a private club? And you're like, oh, I, I didn't know you had to be invited here. I kind of wanted to just join, right? Man, I hope we're never like that. There is no assigned seating here. I hope you, next week, I hope you don't have the same seat. I hope someone's in your seat and you walk up to them and be like, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Like church should feel like a hospital where you get care, where you get love. It shouldn't feel like a private club. So Jesus is about to walk into a jacked up church environment. What denomination, John? No, no, no. He just, he's about to walk into a jacked up church environment. He's been there. So this is what happens next. Verse 12. Jesus went straight to the temple, and he threw out everyone who had set up shop, buying and selling. He kicked over the tables of the loan sharks and the stalls of dove merchants. He quoted this text, my house was designated a house of prayer. You made it a hangout for thieves. 
Like that gives me a little bit of peace. I just, I, Jesus is angry. He's fired up. He's not happy. He kicks over a table. I didn't kick over a table this week, but I feel empowered that maybe I could next week. You know, it's like, he's angry. He's upset. He's walking into an environment. He's like, it's not supposed to be like this. All these people, what are they doing? They're pushing their own agenda. They're building their own kingdom. They're doing what they want to do. He walks in. He's like, nope, 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 not in my house. This isn't what it's for. This isn't the purpose. He's like, you don't build your own kingdom here. You don't do your own agenda here. You don't write your own story here. This is for God. This is a designated place of prayer where you connect with God. He's like, no, 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 get that out of here. Get that out of here. Get that out of here. And so he, he kicks them out. And I always think, God, is there anything you want me to kick out of my life? What needs to be kicked out of my life? Is there an agenda? Is there a habit? Is there stuff I'm listening to? Is there stuff I'm, I'm watching? Is there things that need to be purged out of my life, removed out of my life so that I can be pure. Here's what it says in Psalms 51. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Give me back my joy again. You've broken me now. Let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Man, that's our, that's our prayer. God, create in me a pure heart. I don't want to be dirty. I don't want to be off. I don't want to do my own thing. Like, create in me something clean. Show me. Show me what needs to be removed. Show me what needs to be taken out. I want to obey you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. So God, create in me a clean and pure heart. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, there's like 100 things. There's like 50 things. Like, that whole process seems super overwhelming. I've been there. I've been in that same place where I'm like, well, I would have to do this and this and this and this and this and this, and then I have to stop doing this. I don't know how to do that because if I do that, then this person will get sad or this person will be mad, and then people think, oh, you think you're too good for us? You know, it's like, yeah, I've been in that same place. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to fix these 20 things and walk away from this friendship and stop this and stop this. And I don't know how to do it. And what God says is, you don't have to do it. He will do it. He will give you strength. He will be the leader. He will be the Savior. You don't do it in your own strength. You just keep taking steps towards him and do what he says, and he will work it all out. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, he says to you, he said to me, he says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Like his, his grace is sufficient. He knows how to do stuff. And in God's kingdom, things are different. Man, I want to be exalted. How do I be exalted? You become the greatest servant. Man, I want to receive a bunch of stuff. How do I receive? You start to give. Well, man, I, I, I just want, a, I feel down. I feel discouraged. Start sowing a seed. Start encouraging other people. In God's kingdom, you do the opposite. It's like a paradox. So it's like my grace is sufficient for you. Like, I want you to boast about your weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power 
will come upon you. But I feel weak. Good. God, I'm weak. Would you help me? God, I don't feel strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His power comes upon you even when you admit you're weak. Even when you admit, I don't know how to figure this out. Even when you admit that, His power begins to rest on you. So maybe you don't feel like you have a lot of strength. Maybe you feel like there's a ton of things you need to purify. When you take a step towards Jesus and say, I'll do it. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. He begins to work his plan, his purpose, the thing that he's wanted to do all along. So he kicks them out. He kicks them out. And here's the reason why. Verse 14. Now there was room for the blind and the crippled to get in. They came to Jesus and he healed them. Now there's room. Now there's room. Now there's room for Jesus to do what he's always wanted to do. Now there's room for him to put healing in your life, peace in your life, to let people walk again, to live again, to have peace, to have strength. Like now there's room. John, I don't know if I can stop this or or change this or change that. It seems too overwhelming. You take a step and you do what God asks you to do so that there's room. Now there's room. There's not room in your life when you have sin and you have all this stuff that you know is wrong. There's no room for God to do what he wants to do. There's no room for God to use you. There's no room for God to do the ministry, the healing. There's no room. So you purify your life. You kick out all the icky stuff that you know, I don't know, but you know what it is. You kick that stuff out and now Jesus is like, now there's room. Now I can use you. Now I can add healing. Now I can add hope. Now I can start to fill you with peace, fill you with love, fill you with the purpose of God. Now there's room. Jesus wanted there to be room. The reason he kicked all that stuff out because there wasn't any room. So as you take stuff out of your life, it's like now you open yourself up and say, God, there's room now. There's room. There's room for you to use me. There's room for you to speak to me. There's room. I just want to worship you now. There's room. Man, I've, I've tried to do things my own way. I have. I have. I've tried to fix my life. I've tried to get it how I want it. I've pursued my own dreams, my own hopes. I have done it my way. It's lonely. <laughs> it's not what I thought it was going to be. How do you get a great life? You surrender. Jesus, I surrender. I surrender, I surrender, I surrender to you. And the decision I made that I never regret is that I gave my life to Jesus. And I said, I'll serve you, I'll love you. You're my Lord, you're my Savior. What you ask me to do, I will do it. That doesn't just happen for pastors, that happens for every single area, every single person, whether you're seven years old or 77 years old. It's like, it's true for every person. You will never regret making room in your life for Jesus. That's where help comes from. Whatever battle you're facing today, there's help. Whatever struggle, whatever uncertainty, whatever instability there is, like there is help from above. God wants to come minister to you. God wants to come add hope. He has always, all along, wanted to bring in healing, bring in hope, bring in strength into your life. So now you just make room. And Jesus can do what he's always wanted to do. 
Let me pray for you as we close. Father, thank you. God, thank you that you give us the strength, that your grace is sufficient for me. Your grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. All my mistakes, all my sins, all my regrets, your grace is sufficient for me. Thank you, God, as we take a step of faith and we make room in our life for you, that, that God, your grace is sufficient, that your power is made perfect in weakness. So, God, we boast. We boast about our weaknesses so that your strength, your power can rest upon us. Thank you that there's power today, there's strength today, there's hope today, there's peace today through Jesus. Thank you, Father. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've been to church a bunch. But something inside of you is like, I need to make room. I need to rededicate my life back to God. I want Him. I love Him. I want Him to use me. I need purpose. I need hope. I need peace. It's like, you, you know today you're going to give your life to God. Every week we see lives changed. And today's your week. So I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up or come to the front. But I just want to pray for you. God hears you when you pray. And so if you want to be included in this prayer today, do something very simple. Just slip up your hand and say, today, I'm dedicating my life to God. Today's my day. Today's my day. Today, yep, yep, yep. Today's my day. Today's my day. Yep, yep, yep. You can put your hands down. God sees your hand. God sees your heart. And so let's say this prayer together as one big church family. Repeat after me. Say, dear God, I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. I confess that I've sinned, but I'm asking you to forgive me, to heal me, and to redeem me. Today, God, I give my life fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Can we celebrate life change that happens today? I, I love that we have a church that each and every week we see people say, I'm dedicated. You never will regret it. You never will regret dedicating your life to God, rededicating it. You never will regret that. So a couple things as we get ready to, to leave today. If you raised your hand, tell somebody. Maybe you just prayed that prayer. You didn't have the strength to raise your hand. Tell somebody. We need support. We need accountability. And then just keep coming back. Keep coming back to a place where you can be in God's presence, be around people that care about you, be part of something bigger than yourself. So I'm hoping several of you are like, I cannot wait to sign up for that 1130 service on Sunday next week. I cannot wait to help kids. So we need you. We really do. We need you. 1130. Also, if you want to pray, you can pick out your neighborhood, pray, cover this area. Like it is going to be a great Easter, a resurrection Easter miracle working Sunday. So we're praying for you. We love you. Have a great Sunday. God bless.